Hey everybody, this is Griffin, uh, and I am. I'm going to try and keep this brief. Uh, as you probably guessed from the title of this episode, we don't have a Numa Bim Bam for you today. Instead, uh, we are doing a feed drop of another show on the Maximum Fun Network called Minority Corner, uh, which is all about discussing culture and news through an intersectional lens. Uh, it's it's a great show and. We are really appreciative that James has allowed us to run the most recent episode from last Friday uh, here on our feed. Um, after talking it over, after the events of the past weekend, where you know we all witnessed a horrific escalation of police violence against uh, protesters and and black folks across the country, um, the thing that made the most sense for us to do is uh, try and amplify black creators and voices rather than, you know, try and seize the podium ourselves, um, which I hope this introduction does not cross over into me actually doing. Right right now, we just, we feel like it's our place to shut up and try and t educate ourselves and really try and listen to the voices of those who have been oppressed because um, there's no amount of education that's going to allow you know, the three of us to really understand what that is truly like. So uh, we wholeheartedly encourage you to listen to and subscribe to Minority Corner and really just seek out and support black creators and artists um, while you also find ways to support protesters on the ground, uh, whether that is through bail funds or by directly donating to frontline protesters who are in desperate need of supplies right now or providing any other services you can. There's no shortage of ways to help right now. So um, just try and find one. And here is Minority Corner. Uh, thank you all very much and stay safe. Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him, his. I'm a queer, political, actor, activist, comedian, cancerian, self-proclaimed, sexy blurred. That's a, uh, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by another fabulous minority where we tackle the news, pop culture, politics, media, history, and more, all with a little self-care and self-love sprinkled throughout. This week, I'm joined by... Hello, my name is Emerald Cashmere with a K, right, Kali? I was born and raised in Miami. I consider myself to be an animation connoisseur based here in New York City. Love things from ukulele to animation to improv and everything in between. And my pronouns are she, her. Well, we go from Karen to uh, Karen to a Karen this week. So, have you heard of social media chef Allison Roman? Well, she seems to be dragging Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo, while other Karen, Lana Del Rey, seems to be dragging a lot of POC women and Ariana Grande. What is going on, white a women? A lot to unpack there. So, Joe Biden might not be a white woman, but that hasn't stopped him and his whiteness from stepping in it. So we also unpack the heard gap. around the social media waves or the 48-hour news cycle. And then we talk about why some might be outraged and some of us are just kind of shrugging our shoulders. Have you met Joe Biden? Have you ever heard of the little rich black girl oil tycoon? 
Well, I hadn't either until one of our listeners pointed me into the direction of Sarah Rector and her essentially slavery to riches story. And then finally, stick around to the very end as I unpack the two latest incidents showcasing America's racism that had two very different outcomes involving black men, but rooted in the same racism. The one involving Christian Cooper and the other involving George Floyd. And my call to action about what you can do, what we all can do about it. So this is a jam-packed episode. I'm so excited to share this with you. Let's get into it. All right. We're going to learn, laugh, and play right here. Six, You know Emerald's here when we start singing to kick off the show. I feel like that's tradition. It really is. There's no other way to kick off the show. Is there? I don't think so. Nope. I'm excited to see, you know, no pressure, but I'm excited to see what jams <laughs> we come up with this go around. Last time we had the hit club banger bad baps so we'll and then before that we did a remake a little shop of yours i was thinking about that little shop remake like as in preparing for this and i was like it was just gold it was just gold (laughs) golden it was golden okay there's been some feuds going down that i would love to address with you yes oh my goodness Not like it's a feud between you and me. So let me just, I feel like that came out wrong. But there is a feud between you and I. We are fighting. Oh, it's it's brewing. It's like levels. It is is levels. So there's this woman who I didn't know who she was until she came for Chrissy Teigen and Mm. Allison Roman. Um, Her name is Allison Roman. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. So this woman, so she came for Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo. Her name Mm -hmm. is Allison Roman. Mm -hmm. She's some sort of like social media, like DIY sort of, you know, I cook and make things sort of person. Mm-hmm. And in a recent interview profiled by the new consumer, um, she pretty much slammed for uh, she pretty much slammed uh, Chrissy Teigen and um, Marie Kondo, saying that like um, that they're pretty much calling out their um, that they're not authentic. She said um, like what Chrissy Teigen done is so crazy to me. She had a successful cookbook, and then it was like mm-hmm. boom, line at Target. Boom. Now she has an Instagram page that hosts over a million followers where it's just like people running a content farm for her. That horrifies me. And it's not something I ever want to do. I don't aspire to do that. But like, who's laughing now? Because she's making a ton of fucking money. My goodness. Insane bananas for her to come for the most wholesome people. You picked the wrong targets. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's weird that you came for the people that you just want to hug. Marie Kondo, who literally is just one of the sweetest people in the entire world. Right. Um, and Chrissy Teigen, who just is wonderful and just trolls Trump. And we love her for that. Like, I you know. know. And, and they're both like two women who provide, who are just like amazing characters alone, regardless of their craft. Right. Like Chrissy Teigen yeah. is just super wholesome. Marie Kondo is like super wholesome. And then they do awesome things that they're being recognized for in a very like true way. Like they're both authentic people. Chrissy Teigen has always been that way. You know, she's just like, like 
heightening her strengths and her personalities and for this woman and making kind of like, amazing facial reactions yeah. when people do crazy things at award shows like <laughs> the Chrissy Teigen face exactly. is classic it should be its own emoji of like it there is an emoji designed after that it's that yellow one with the like, <laughs> like just the teeth that's the Chrissy Teigen <laughs> it's so true it's so true she well, really Chrissy shows Teigen the corner was, well, I mean, you could go after, go after like one of the, go after Kylie Jenner or something. Mm-hmm. Like no one, go after a Kardashian. Like that would have right. been a safer bet. We would have been like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Went for like <laughs> the sweetest and also two like women of color. And Chris mm-hmm. Teigen was hurt about it. She goes, this is a huge bummer and hit me hard. I have made her recipes for years now, bought the oh, cookbook, supported no. her on social media and praised her in interviews. And then Christine oh, goes on to say, that. I even signed on to executive produce the very show she talks about doing in this article. <laughs> Why are you biting the hand that feeds oh, you? Oh my goodness. I did not know that aspect of it. That's bananas. I cannot yes. believe that. She just yeah. essentially dug herself in the deepest hole ever. Like, why would oh, she yeah. say something like that after somebody supported her for so long? And just mm-hmm. speak to her wholesomeness and sweetness that she's like, oh, my God, love this woman. She's doing great things. Let me buy her cookbook. Let me cook her recipes. Insane. Yes. Well, the drama unfolds. So then Alison Roman, she... Her first apology was not apology, and it was terrible. Crash and burn. She tweets, when women bully other women for being honest about money and how much they do or do not make, well, that's amore. And then she goes on to say, just wishing someone, just wishing I had someone to hold my hand during baby's first internet backlash. She said that? Mm-hmm. Alison yeah. Roman? Who is this woman? Oh. Yeah, and she also goes on, like, you know, uh, being a woman who takes down other women is absolutely not my thing, but I don't think it's yours either. Um, I hope we can meet one day. I think we probably get along. So she's just crashing and burning, and, like, Chrissy Teigen didn't try to take you down at all. And she did eventually, like, I think she finally hired a publicist because she then tweeted out and wrote, like, a really long letter Mm. of saying, essentially saying that, like, She's owned every aspect of her shit. She's like, I was wrong. Um, I um, need to really educate myself. It was also really wrong for me to also target two, um, you know, POC women who have a different struggle and journey from me. She messed up. She said that she's learning. Um, She heard what everyone was saying and is working on being a better listener. So she then wrote like a much better detailed one um, mm-hmm. that just goes to show like, yeah, girl, you need a publicist. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to come at basic angels of the game, you need a whole army, like a publicist, yeah. everything. Don't yeah. come for them. That is just no. really insane. It's just so insane to me that like, because you it's it clearly came from envy i feel like like she potentially was like wow i am trying to navigate this like specific corner of the market and trying to get ads and trying to get sponsorships and she probably one day was just like walking through target trying to buy some candles and saw (laughs) chrissy teigen's amazing face on a pan or a cast iron skillet and it's the only way that she knew how to react. And in that case, you need to look inside of yourself because it's, Ooh, it's like, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. that is just what you could aspire to be. You know, that's how right. you're supposed to look at that. 
Well, and I think that there's just like, I think she got really too big for her britches. She, I mean, this is like a really big interview for her. She has, I think a, she has this new TV show that's coming out. Um, and I think she just got just a little too loose lipped, you know, mm-hmm. like she just was just shooting the shit and thought, and, but I think it speaks to something like you were saying that is intrinsically deep inside of her and speaks to the jealousy and sort of insecurity that she had to knock these other women down. And again, that people were pointing out knocking these like women of color down who are going to have to work twice as hard to even get like where she is and what she has. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that she acknowledges that, but it's like, that was deep inside of her. That was an ugly that was like Absolutely. ready to come out the minute someone was like listening and it just, yeah. And I appreciate like her, like eventually coming around to apologies. And I always want to give people like space and grace to apologize. Cause like mm-hmm. we, the, the pitchfork nation, you know, everyone's ready to be angry. Everyone's looking to <laughs> reason to be outraged these days. And I also want to make sure I give mm-hmm. the space for like, when we're like, they need to change and apologize. And so she is, mm-hmm. but you know, statistically, it takes five positive things to outbalance the negative. And right. when she, I first read her, the last latest apology, I was like, okay, all right, I'm willing to give it grace. But honestly, every time I see her name still, I still cringe. So she still yeah. has like at least four more positive things that I need to say before I can. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to buy her stuff before because it's, I don't really, it's not my lane, but yeah. I definitely am not now. Mm-mm, mm-mm. She could be selling a cast iron skillet's made from the gods and I wouldn't give her a coin. Wouldn't care. Wouldn't care. I'd be like, I'm sorry, what is Chrissy Teigen making? Thank you. (laughs) Oh, speaking of women who are taking other women down, (laughs) let's just move from one Karen to the next. Um, Lana Del Rey also got into the game of like trying to take down other women. Mm -hmm. Um, so Lana Del Rey essentially like came after Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, Dorja Cat, Camila, uh, all these like women of color and plus Ariana Grande. Um, I had to separate Ariana Grande because we forget that like she's just Italian. She's just yeah. an Italian girl. So <laughs> don't let that Spanish last name fool you. Or I guess right. it's Italian. Uh, yeah. I was fooled. Um, I was as well. Anyway, yeah. see... Yeah, so she essentially was, like, slamming these women who were, like, saying, like, oh, they're not feminists, uh, women who look and act like me, the kind of women who says uh, no, but men hear yes, uh, the the kind of women who are saluted mercilessly for being their authentic, delicate selves. Um, she goes on, she's, like, pretty much, you know, talks about how they, you know, are being so, you know, sexual to sell their music, and that's just, like, you know, not her style and what she's, you know, doing, and... Mm-hmm. So obviously, like, everyone came after her for that. But I just understand this continued, I don't know, like, I feel like the media always already does such a thing of pitting women against other women that, like, and she also just recently made a song with Ariana Grande for the Charlie's Angels soundtrack. So it's, like, Lana's all right. Ooh, I didn't know that. It was her, Miley Cyrus, and, um, I mean, she seemed out of place, but... Yeah. It was the three of them, Miley, Ariana, and Lana Del Rey. So fascinating. Um... But also, like, yeah, this kind of trend of, in, in, it seems like in every corner, like, Allison and Lana coming for women of color is just like... Yes! It's, right! It's, it's kind of insane because, and I can also speak from experience saying that, like, at the end of each day, no matter what you're doing or what you're pursuing or what your career is in any market, in any industry, I can assure you that like 
at the end of my day, I'm returning home maybe five times more mentally exhausted because of the hoops that you have to jump through and the things that you have to navigate, right? And and even becoming like recognized in any one Mm -hmm. given industry or field. So I think that the outrage is, is the backlash, right? And the like grouping together of Lana and Allison is, is correct because it's, it's like, just actually don't just before you do it, stop, look in the mirror, breathe, recognize, and then just stop. Don't even do it. Right. And you know, she also made it up. I mean, the people that she pointed out aside from like, you know, Ariana Grande, mm-hmm. um, which again, is so weird that she because she literally was just naming, you know, black women and Camila from uh, Fifth Harmony. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, she's specifically, it seems like attacking R&B and hip hop, you know, urban mm-hmm. styles of music. Didn't mention like a Katy Perry, a Gaga, a Taylor right. Swift, like any of these, uh, Selena Gomez, like a Miley Cyrus, like these women who have been overtly sort of sexual. Like she seems like she's, so it just, I think that again, it speaks to something that there's an inherent bias inside of these, yeah. uh, inside of these women. Yeah, there absolutely is. And it's, it's, it's just extremely sad and disappointing that like, I mean, again, kind of same conversation with Allison, um, the same thing, the same rules apply with Lana, where it's like, yeah, you're in this field and in in this industry and like, don't sexualize black women or like frame them or blame them for being sexual, right? Like, don't do that because that's a narrative that they, I'm sure, have had to fight in their own respects and whether they choose to express that in their art or not is up to them and how they want to express their art right but like that is not that is not a dig or a negative you know Mm -hmm. it's it's nothing to be blasting it's really weird and there's been there's like the black women have this double dichotomy where they're either over sexualized or desexualized. So you mm-hmm. either have like the Mammy or the Jezebel. And even going back to like, you know, the Venus hot and hot, like just women like, oh, they're big butts and they're big, mm-hmm. you know, oh, they're so. And so that's already sort of a thing. And she just, you know, played into it. So yeah. I look forward to her non-apology and then hopefully oh her publicist goodness. will help her like draft a better letter. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, and then speaking of black women being sexualized um we can look forward to there's a on tiktok there's a lot of that um what's going on on tiktok i don't tiktok i (laughs) am gonna be late to the party i just can't like it took me forever to even get onto the instagram Uh and i just uh i I was an early adopter into Facebook and that was like the only one. I think I just been burned so hard by like Friendster and LiveJournal and MySpace that I just, it gets exhausting. (laughs) Yeah, you're so right. It was definitely, so I actually didn't come on to the TikTok. I didn't pull up to the TikTok feed until (laughs) COVID-19 happened. And I need shit to do. (laughs) Right. It's just like, it's the last resort. Um, And it's really fast. It is fascinating kind of like, the disconnect with TikTok, um, with the current ger- generation and millennials who feel like millennials are like, mm, I don't know, that's just like, whatever, that's your corner. You can do whatever you're doing. And, yeah, totally. uh, um, the current generation is just like, okay, cool. This is us. Let's do it. And yeah. if there's actually some gold on there. There's actually some really fun stuff. Um, 
And we were just talking about kind of like the sexualization of black women, right? And you made such a good point where you were like, yeah, there's both ends of it. There's like over-sexualizing and then there's also like the um, other aspects like that falls under the mammy umbrella, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. we can't see you as a sexual figure. (laughs) You just take care of us. You're Oprah. (laughs) Exactly. You're just Oprah. That's who you are. Um, And so, but on TikTok, fascinatingly enough, this narrative has, has been like reborn in a way that black TikTokers, young black women will get on TikTok and TikTok is essentially used for a lot of different things. But one really popular trend is dances, right? TikTok dances. Mm-hmm. They're easy to learn. You practice it for like, I don't know, a few hours in, in a day. By the end of the day, you master, you make a video of it, it goes up. It's just cool. And a lot of these dances are choreographed and made up from young black women And then it takes flight. It starts to trend and white women start Uh, doing the dances and uh in their own little way. (laughs) And it blows up. And TikTok has this interesting feature where you can track down the original sound. And a lot of the trending dances that are on TikTok, when you track down the original sound, are from those creators, right? From the black creators. And they have less likes, less visibility. And then it goes even further because sometimes black TikTokers who are expressing themselves and dancing will get blocked or like (sighs) filtered through the TikTok app. So like editors are going through and being like, "Mm, too sexual, but it's like, oh my it's, it's proven, it's proven. And it, this is, it's such a fascinating intersection, right? Because this generation has figured out alg- algorithms. They know this. We learned about it, you know, eventually, yeah. maybe like halfway yeah. through our Facebook lifetime, but they already know this. <laughs> so they right. start Born into playing it. with it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, this algorithm is really only putting forth white women dancing. Let's see what happens when I, as a black woman, get on here and dance. Nope. It doesn't come up on people's Shut feed. I got blocked. The face. Yeah. Oh my it's God. Kind of insane. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ugh, and I, you know, that we. Oh man, I guess, you know, I don't know who is to blame. Is it us for, they're perpetuating the same things. Like I think everyone's always like, oh, this generation, the next generation, they're, you know, so far ahead. This is a great example of like, nope, they still, there's still work. The future generation is going to have some work to do as well. Absolutely. (laughs) But that's the thing is that these biases are just so intrinsically there. This is infuriating Mm -hmm. and even more of a reason why I am not going on TikTok. (laughs) Thank you for... Persuading me that I am right, and yeah, the people who are on TikTok though, there was a hashtag Blackout Twenty Twenty um, that was created Ooh. by um, Britney the, Spears for her album Blackout. Basically, no. she's burning down gyms <laughs> and biases. <laughs> oh my god! Thank you for bringing that up. Listen, I <laughs> I am part of the Britney Army. Like she captured my like. Whatever the artist is that captured your heart at the age of 13, they can do no wrong. You will love them forever. And she got me. And I know I, I'm just biased. Like I have Britney blinders, like, but her series, like, I have to like following her on Instagram has been so painful. Cause sometimes I'm like, I want to see what's going on in her life. And it's better for me not to it's like just that hold Chrissy on to the Teigen nostalgia. Uh-huh. I literally want <laughs> using my Chrissy Teigen face, watching her video, like, ooh, like, 
you know, completely unfiltered. I am concerned about her well-being. She burned down her home gym <laughs> and posted about it because she likes to work out with can like with candles nearby. And I'm just concerned. I'm so concerned because there was like this thing that like she had maybe had another mental breakdown and then that's why she had canceled her Vegas tour. It was this hashtag free Britney thing. And they yeah. said that her dad was sick and that's why she disappeared. But there were rumors of otherwise, like she's still in a conservatorship. Anyways, sorry to digress. That's fine. Oh my goodness. I am concerned. I'm concerned as well. I am so with you. I'm a hardcore Britney person. I had her CDs as a kid and would just constantly <laughs> like listen to it on repeat. I would rewind the whole yes. thing, like everything. Uh, and yeah, I'm following her now. I'm like, oh, Britney. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you, it's literally just Chrissy Deegan. Because like, ah, you, you, you don't want, like, your heart can't get, like, you can't admit, like, maybe what's, like, happening. You're just like, oh, Britney, maybe go put on the camera. It's just a lot of her, like, twirling in a dress. Yeah. Like, Have you seen her, man? Sometimes, Oh, her man is, like, hot. So, like, mm, I'm following him on Instagram, so too. Oh, you do? That's- so funny yeah. and then so hot and yes she just constantly is like twirling around like got this new piece and i'm like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> she just spins the- so many circles so fast and i'm like are you okay <laughs> and sometimes like i mean i you know i just feel my heart goes out i i because i just sometimes she I don't know. Something just doesn't seem right. And I just Mm -hmm. want to give her a hug and just, cause there was a psychologist who said that someone who had the mental breakdown that she had should not be in the line of work that she is in. And, you know, you have all these people who are just trying to like, you know, make money off of her. And I'm sure she loves like dance and perform. So, but it's like, she just needs to, I love her. So I can't say anything bad about her. So (laughs) anyways, back to Alice and (laughs) Alana. No. <laughs> oh, have you? Okay, so you're living in. Sorry, have you been using like you know we're in the age of Corona? Are you like ordering out a lot? Because I might have a recommendation mm. if you like pizza. <gasps> yes, please. Yeah. Would you like to pizza. order from uh, P- Pasquale's Pizza and Wings? That sounds delicious. <laughs> great so um, i'll send you the link and when you start eating it it might remind you of like oh my god this actually tastes like Chuck E. cheese pizza um that's because it is <laughs> <gasps> so if you oh have goodness. been yes have you have been um if you if you've been ordering on Grubhub um, or things like that, and have like oh look at this, I want to support local businesses, and you order from Pascali's Pizza and Wings, it's just gonna be Chuck E. Cheese feet tasting pizza. Like oh, they no. have been putting out a fake name, and I think Applebee's has been doing this as well. <laughs> they oh got my caught goodness! This scam. <laughs> what is that? What's yes. going on with Chuck E. Cheese and Pascali's? The same that thing. is exactly what is happening. That is what's happening. Um, that is truly awful. And then, and then I forget, there was reading somewhere where they were trying to spin it as like, well, you know, the origin behind Chuck E. Cheese. Well, the creator, he never had a birthday party. He was an orphan and he never had a birthday party. So he wanted to be able to create a space where children could have their birthday parties. And then it was discovered that that's just the bio of like, Chuck E. Cheese, whose middle name is Entertainment. It was literally the plot of like Ratatouille. He was like never he was an orphan oh mouse. My goodness. Was hanging out at Pasquale, Pasquale's restaurant, and 
like he could like dance and sing. (laughs) So then they were like, let's create a restaurant for you. And then he got too nervous to perform. But then he saw these kids like there was their birthday and he got like the strength. So someone like caught up and like that was like, wait a minute. That's just the bio (laughs) of Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) Because they tried to get you the heartstrings to like. (laughs) I've seen this bio doc before. (laughs) While I was in the ball pit, it was playing on the screen. (laughs) Yeah, because even my heart was like, "Mm, okay, well, they have got a cute origin story. Wait a minute. (laughs) So I won't be ordering from Basali's Pizza and Wings. No need to. Okay. (laughs) So not to bring it down a notch, but we're going to bring it down a notch. So let's go into our election 2020 corner. Voting for tomorrow to save your life. All right. So the presumptive nominee, Joseph Gordon Lovett Biden. And that's his But we'll go with that. Give him some edge. So... I feel like, like, it's, okay, so Joe Biden, this will surprise no one, made a gaffe recently and stepped in it. So he put his, got, put his foot in his mouth. So he was had an interview with, I believe, Charlemagne from the Black Breakfast Club. And he's, you know, making the rounds, doing his thing. And at the very tail end, he's in a rush trying to get off because the lovely Dr. Jill Biden, who just pause in the moment, just think that we could have first lady Dr. Jill Biden. Like, doesn't that just, (sighs) she probably will still be teaching. Like she's a professor at like a community college. She'll probably still go do that. Like just refreshing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, she needed to do an interview. He's trying to, he needs to wrap up. And, and he, at the very end, he makes what was a joke. He's like, well, essentially he says, you know, if, uh, if you're having questions about who to vote for, like, you know, you're not black or like, if you vote for Trump, like you're not black. So that's what he says. And then like, I think his like, you know, uh, black campaign staffer was like, okay, we got to go. <laughs> and then he cut off. <laughs> How outrageous of him. So now the social media is up in a tirade. So Mm -hmm. your thoughts about it? I am fully floored, but it also doesn't surprise me that he would say something like that because he's just him. Um, Joe Biden. I'm also like, is this the first time people are meeting Joe Biden? Like, I know. I already mentally prepared myself when he became the presenting nominee. I was like, okay, there's going to be a lot of gaps. He's going to put his foot in his mouth a lot. Like this is not part of the course. Exactly. It's, it's your typical case. Yeah. One first, first and foremost, it did not shock me Two, I think it's your, (laughs) it's your, it's your typical case of (laughs) that's hilarious. My friend's black. I'm not racist. That is just that coming out of the inside of him. Um, And, I think that, yeah, it just doesn't shock me. I think that we can look forward to a lot more of those because he's like, sure. hey, Obama, <laughs> you got my back, yeah. right? <laughs> Meanwhile, Obama's like Chrissy Teigen face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joe, we need to talk. Here's, you know what? I think the thing that has bothered me about this is just like the extreme outrage that I have seen. And mostly for like, yeah. if there's a black person who's upset about it, I will totally like, let's have a conversation and sit and talk to you about it. But like, I'm just saying like white people about upset about it. I'm like, where's your outrage for like Flint, Michigan still doesn't have like, you know, drink mm-hmm. good drinking water. Like, you know, all of like the unarmed shootings that we've been seeing, I've not seen mm-hmm. your outrage from it. Like, I feel like I'm mostly seeing people who are still 
Like, not accepting that this is the presumption that nominee. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. Trump or Biden are going to be the president of the United States. That's mm-hmm. it. There's no amount of magical thinking that's going to be able to make it happen otherwise. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, this is it. Like, you're, you, there's nothing. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's mm-hmm. nothing else that's going to, you know, mm-hmm. there's no way. There's just, it's not going to happen. I love hope and dreams as much as the next person, but right. there's so much on the line that we just, you know, don't have time. And I guess, like, I just have, like, it's exhausting because it's like we need to come together and I know it doesn't make it easier when Joe Biden does this sort of thing Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like I have to say um he actually is right like any queer person or a black person who votes for Trump we need to have a conversation because Mm -hmm. your card is about to be revoked what he said I would say is true is he the right person to be able to say it not (laughs) at all should he say that no I feel like it's something that maybe one of the staffers had like maybe mentioned or said and joked around about. And I think he got too comfortable and repeated a joke that was for at the cookout only. Exactly. He should have like very subtly slipped it over to Charlemagne and said, Hey, just say this, you know, say this at the end of the, at the end of the session, if you don't mind, you know, (laughs) and then maybe like, okay, cool. Charlemagne, I guess you have a point, but for it to come out of his mouth is like, just uncalled for. Not the right move. I think here's a, and I think I will give Joe Biden this. Like he does step in it, but he does he he will learn as he goes. Like I have been really impressed with like the campaign that he is creating. Like mm-hmm. there's been a seat at the table for everybody. Like mm-hmm. him and Bernie Sanders have been collaborating on making policies. Um, nice. I almost said Ariana Huffington. I'm sure she's about <laughs> to, but I meant Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Mm-hmm. She is on the climate change task force. Like he's collaborating with Elizabeth Warren. You know Kamala Harris has been doing stuff like. Everyone, he's really creating this Avenger style dream team. And I think mm-hmm. like I think people, I hope that they move past their own hurt feelings and ego of having their specific candidate win. Cause if you're really mm-hmm. about the movement, it's not about a specific person. It's about the policies and the movement. And mainly first and foremost, stopping Drumpf from having mm-hmm. another term that we might right. never ever recover from, you know? So right. it just also made me think too, it's like Y'all don't think that, like, Martin Luther King Jr. had to, like, roll his eyes a few times when Lyndon B. Johnson from Texas probably (laughs) dropped, was a little too vigorous, a little too, you know, uh, free with the N-word, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And he still had to, like, roll his eyes, shake his hand, and work with this white man because, at the end of the day, Goldwater would have been ten times worse and had folks back on a plantation. So, Mm -hmm. I... Black people are very thick-skinned. Like, we have been through a lot worse. This is not a sit-in. This is not the Montgomery Bridge, you know, massacre. This is not us being hoes. Like, and I've just been seeing a lot of white people essentially be like, well, there goes the black vote. Like, okay, you don't. don't." And that's what made me most uncomfortable is white people having all this outrage and speaking out for it where it's like Mm -hmm. i appreciate your allyship but i think on this one just we'll have the conversation like yeah just let us kind of sift through it and figure out you know and reflect (laughs) because it's really not it really doesn't have anything to do with you and i feel like that's the constant kind of thing with these things where it's like oh and it's our turn to speak too because if you didn't hear them (laughs) this is what they said and it's like i actually need you to do that if you could kindly have a seat (laughs) 
Yep. Um, I'm processing it on my own. I'm talking amongst my own community. Like <laughs> you're just remember being an ally means being the intern. You're just there to listen and get yes. the coffee. Like yeah, exactly. Listen so. and get the coffee. I love that analogy. It's so very true. <laughs> uh, so that's that. Like, yep. Joe Biden stepped in it, and today is a day that ends in Y. Like, you're yes, that's yeah. what happened, and. I think that he'll hopefully, you know, move forward and, you know, stick away from the jokes. I think, oh, here's what really upsets me. The interview was actually really amazing. And once again, mm. we're not talking about the substance of what he talked about. He talked about criminal justice reform. Mm. He talked about, you know, prisoner reentry programs. Like, you know, when folks leave the prison, there's not a system to help them out. Um, right. Decriminalizing marijuana. Like, these lists of things that disproportionately affect Black people. He addressed, like, Charlemagne asked him about his vote on uh, the crime bill Mm. and he addressed that. And at the same time, like in the nineties, everyone and their mom was for the crime bill. Like even my mom was for the crime bill because it was Mm -hmm. a scary time. We were trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what was happening, not looking at like that, you know, government practices had, you know, created this crime amongst that was happening, you know, in the black community that was then, they were then vilified and jailed for it. But it was a really, really good substantive, conversation and debate and here we are talking about this little thing that happened at the last 10 seconds a learning and growing moment and mistake by joe biden human Mm -hmm. being who's an old white man who's doing his best and we're not talking about the substantive issues and so just like it frustrates me because we as american participants have to do better I like saw that I read the I read what the gaff was. I was like, oh no. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the full interview and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like mm-hmm. we need to do our job, you know? Yeah, this is very true. This is true. I'm gonna go and listen to it because obviously my biggest takeaway is that headline. <laughs> like my biggest takeaway right? is yeah. mic drop. And it's and it, you're right, it's so unfortunate because what he did in that moment, you're right, we do need to do better, but also, like, what he did in that moment was kind of threw that all in the trash. <laughs> because, like, yeah, who's, yeah. who's going to then go, like, yeah, and, like, let me just do my due diligence and, like, listen to the whole interview? <laughs> Nobody. Right. I will because well, you we need the- let me know that he's actually talking about important things. But, yeah. yeah. He didn't just go on there and be like, hey, Solomon, you know what? <laughs> you and all those black people better vote for me because otherwise you ain't black. And then he or laughed. Like it wasn't. Your cars were both. My job. He did not go on and like say that. It was just that last thing. And I think the media needs to do a better job. It, what frustrates me, Emerald, is like, have we learned nothing from 2016? Mm. This is, I don't want another but her emails, Benghazi. Right. And like, yeah, it's frustrating because it's like, the same intentions not being played onto, I forget some, the, some sort of equation of like just the, the, the Trump administration's failure in terms of coronavirus is the equivalent to like, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I did the math, mm. but it's something to the equivalent of like 220,000 Benghazi's or something, the amount of people uh, that have died or, you know, yeah. like, and we're not like, will there be a trial for the Trump administration and right. all those people? And like, there's yeah, not, exactly. I just sometimes in the media's effort to try to be fair and balanced, they just focus on like the wrong thing. So mm-hmm. I don't want to play into it's that trap. It only benefits Russia and the mm. Republicans. So sure. Very sure. Yes. Wow. I feel like we hammered that out. Should we uh jump into our first corner? Yes, let's do it. Hey, I'm Janet Varney, host of the JV Club Podcast. 
Ah, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. Okay. History corner, minority corner, history time. Emerald, let's get into our time machine and go back in time. Way back, do you remember the time when there was a little rich black girl? Mm. No, I don't. That's why we're here. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give a special shout out to uh, Minority Corner listener at Jan5. Say, Iman, because they uh, put this into my lap and I had to go research full on of who this person was. Not the Minority Corner listener, but the person that they (laughs) tweeted at me about to be like, hey, did you know about Sarah Rector, who was this little, the the, essentially just dubbed the little British black girl of the early 20th century. (laughs) So I was like, wait, what? Who dares? So also too, just to show that Minority Corner, it takes a village. You know, you all give us the leads and we go further investigate and report on. So she was a multimillionaire millionaire oil baron at just 12 years old. What? Yeah. That's so young. In your, I know in, in your mind, you're thinking like, what have I done with my life? I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, and again, too, this is like, this happens a lot on Minority Corner. So expect, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this out to the universe now. Get ready for either a Netflix series or movie to be made about this girl because this happens every time on Minority Corner when we talk about like someone, then a series or movie comes out. This happened about like the ladies of Hidden Figures, Mm -hmm. uh, Madam CJ Walker. So Mm -hmm. get ready for her story. Get ready for your film. And in your mind, I want. (laughs) (laughs) In your mind, I want you to go ahead and start like stunt casting who you would put this as. So. She was born to Joseph and Rose Rector on March 3rd, 1902, which is a time period I would not like to go to ever. Mm -hmm. So I'll make this fast. I know right now we're time traveling, (laughs) so we'll get in, we'll get out. (laughs) This sounds like a terrible time, which also to just sort of talk about, like, I just, uh, I feel like sometimes like, like, sorry to go back to the Joe Biden thing, but I'm just like, some of us would not have made it during civil rights or like, you know, slavery if like, this is what's breaking our vote for Joe Biden, then like, we would not have made it. No, we would have been (laughs) way too sensitive and soft. Oh my God. <laughs> Sometimes I think that we just are. We've got like our, you know, this pandemic is going a lot better than the last one. Like at least you have Netflix. <laughs> Good gosh. And even in that one, a lot disproportionately amount of black people died in that one. Thank so you. everything old is new again. Okay. Sarah Rector. She so Joseph, uh Joseph and Rose, lovely names too. Joseph and Rose had their children and they were enslaved. They they were their ancestors were part of the enslaved um, Creek, uh, which was a tribe, 
I don't know exactly fully what this means. The, in the research, I didn't get to dig too deep. This was a very just sort of like quick surface level <laughs> research. But I think this means that, well, we, it definitely means that they were enslaved. But it might have been that they were enslaved to a tribe, which mm. if that's true, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm. <laughs> um, that's terrible. But both of their fathers fought for the Union Army. And her family, they were um, African members of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Mm. So they uh, were also part of that. And they lived in a modest cabin in a black town of called Taft, Oklahoma. So all of this is going to be taking place in Oklahoma, which I think is so fascinating. Oklahoma has such a rich history of black wealth. Because mm-hmm. if you think back to like the Tulsa... Um, Tulsa, which was known as Black Wall Street, where the Tulsa massacre happened, where they, you know, white people came in and murdered the entire town right. of like rich black people. So when people are like, how come black people don't have any money except for Beyonce and Oprah? It's like, because every time we get it, y'all burn it down, murder us or steal our ideas mm-hmm. and run away with right. it. We can't get a patent or a TikTok. Allison, sorry, it's <laughs> Lana. <laughs> Yes. So at the time, um, this was Oklahoma was an Indian territory. And after the Civil War, the parents of formerly enslaved uh, Creek tribe members um, were entitled to a land allotment under the Dow's Allotment Act of 1887. I love this because like you're, you know, many of us did not get our 40 acres in a mule, but it looks like in some parts of the area, like folks were given mm-hmm. their land, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, <laughs> that's dope. And look, and we're about to see what happens when people are able to, were given their land to be able to catch up because they were kidnapped and enslaved and made to work for free. And then people were like, all right. Mm-hmm. Go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, why? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not here. So they divided the Creek lands amongst the Creeks and their former slaves with a termination date of 1906. This is still so weird to me because this is really sounding like the Creek tribe was enslaving black people. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Side eye yeah. this Creek tribe. <laughs> like, what? We just get enslaved by everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could we... Did we get to enslave anybody? Like, I mean, slavery is bad, but like... I know, know. exactly. We no, here? we'll never get our damn son of fine. <laughs> we'll never get our turn to be the slave masters. <laughs> <laughs> so hundreds of, um, hundreds of Black children uh, who were the Creek Freedmen miners were granted 160 acres of land um, in Indian territory, which is like, that's a lot of fucking land. That mm-hmm. sounds like more than 40 acres and a mule. That was a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they were granted 160 acres to land as Indian territory and quote unquote integrate and was integrated into Oklahoma territory. And I feel like that kind of reads into like Indian territory was just like taken over. <laughs> integrated right. is a nice way of like white people were like, mine. <laughs> mine. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's integrated. <laughs> <laughs> We took it and probably murdered some people. So this happened in 1907. And so her parents, herself, and her brother, Joe Jr., and sister Rebecca, Mm -hmm. they all got land. And usually when lands were given to black folks, this probably won't surprise you, it was shitty land. Usually they were Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, you can take that, uh, (laughs) take that, uh, swamp over there. (laughs) 
it has a has a couple feral cats and and uh, alligator problem. But <laughs> you see, you see that dumpster fire? Oh yeah, that's that you. That's you. you. See that area where it rains, acid rain? Yeah, you can have that over there. I'm not using that. You see that? Uh, um, that what's this Chuck E. Cheese pizza? <laughs> You see that Pasquale's pizza? <laughs> you could have that. Like, oh, nobody wants a Pasquale's pizza. Uh, so the land was usually rocky and infertile, but uh, the Creek Indian Nation was located in the middle of just the best land possible because it was rich and right with oil. It was in the middle of the Glenpool oil field. And so little um, Sarah's land uh, would go for a whopping at that time, a whopping $556.50, which at the time was like, you know, a lot of money. Yeah. And her father was broke at the time. And Mm. so he was like, Ugh, I got to make some money. So he leased Sarah's land because she was a little girl. He was like, you're not using mm-hmm. this. And he leased her little parcel of her land um, to a major oil company. And that was the mm-hmm. Devi, Devonian Oil Company of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and he leased that in February 1911. And good mm-hmm. thing, I mean, he was literally, he was kind of like a Lohan or, you know, Macaulay Colton. Macaulay, uh, Macaulay Culkin's parents who like mm-hmm. you know were just using their children's resources right but this turned out to be for the better like he invested mm-hmm. it because they were leasing it out which is like what you know Macaulay Culkin's parents should have done like invested their children's money and they're gonna steal it from their children like put it in the stock market but right what do I know I'm not a parent but um <laughs> this is what I would do with my children's riches and invest in it so he, so essentially he, he was doing this because he couldn't pay the annual $30 property tax. So he was like, Ugh, I gotta make some money. But two mm-hmm. years later after leasing it and, uh, they just, it like another dr- oil driller, BB Jones got a gusher, <laughs> like, a f- <laughs> like these names. Oh, BB Jones. Yeah. Right. BB <laughs> Jones barbecue. BB <laughs> Jones barbecue and oil drilling. They are in a lot of the businesses. Anyways, they struck fucking oil. It was what is dubbed as a gusher. Not just a 90s, you know, fruit snack. Fruit but snack. Awesome. <laughs> oil field. So it was gushing so much oil. Like, it was just, you know, jizzing everywhere. So it had like 2,500 barrels or 105,000 gallons a day. Those are wow. a lot of numbers that sound like a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not in the oil business, so I don't know, but that sounds like a lot. Yeah, that does. Oh my goodness. So little Sarah, she I almost called her little BB. I wish her name I wish her name was little BB. <laughs> little Wasn't BB. Little BB. Yeah. <laughs> her name is Sarah. She Rich got three hundred dollars. So she was getting three hundred dollars a day. And oh like, my god. Even that's in nineteen thirteen. Like even now I'm like, I would three hundred dollars a day, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But that, that is it. equivalent to today's standards, seven thousand to eight thousand dollars <gasps> a day. A day? Yes. Oh my goodness. And there was even one day where she made the equivalent of eleven thousand five hundred and sixty seven dollars in one day. Oh my god. <laughs> she was rolling in it. Roll. She had multiple wells and she became a star. Obviously, like this little like 11, 12 year old black girl who's making all this money. She became a star. So 
there were headlines written about her. Um, I'll read you a few. So the Kansas City Star, remember what time period it is. So the Kansas right. City Star, X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. Millions to a Negro girl, Sarah Rector, 10-year-old, has income of $300 a day from oil. Long headline. So oh, January 14th, another new- newspaper wrote, X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. Oil made Piccaninny rich Oklahoma girl with $1,500 a month gets many proposals. Four white men in Germany want to marry the Negro child that they might oh. share her fortune. Oh my goodness. All these trolls. She's 12. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Savannah Tribune wrote, oil well produces neat in, in, oil well produces neat income. Negro girls, $112,000 a year. It's like, we get it. She's black. Like I know. <laughs> Only one of those didn't mention that she's black, which is funny. <laughs> Um, so she was dubbed the richest Negro in the world. Everyone wow. was hitting her up for money, obviously. Like, you know, when you hit the lottery, all of a sudden she's got mm-hmm. all these cousins. She's all got the cousins, all the family members, aunts, uncles. It kind of reminds me, did you ever watch that movie Blank Check? No, I didn't. On Disney? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this is this is in the Disney Disney Plus. Definitely take a look. Um this kid gets a blank check. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. He gets a blank check and he gets to just do whatever he wants. And like, he, mm-hmm. it's wild, but it just kind of reminds me like, you know, children with this amount of money, like this is dangerous. So <laughs> I know I'm, I'm so <laughs> curious as to what she was doing with that money. Like, especially yeah. in these times, you know, like what right. was she doing? Mm-hmm. And she's in like Oklahoma. Like this is a little nerve wracking. Right. Luckily though, this is probably, I think I got to check the dates. Yeah. I feel like this is around the time of Tulsa. So there is a lot of other like black rich stuff going okay. on as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the time, oh, here comes the plot twist. We knew this was coming. We knew oh, no. rich black girl with money. Something bad right. was going to happen. Here we are. Second act. At the time, <laughs> the law required Native Americans or black adults and children who were citizens of Indian territory with significant property um, that their money was to be assigned to well-respected white <gasps> guardians. Oh, my goodness. Yes. They were essentially put into like what, you know, just to use a, a, a relevant, you know, uh, equation, like they're putting a conservative ship. So they're like the Britney mm-hmm. Spears of their times. Like they're yeah. an adult, they should be able to run their lives, but their mm. dad is in charge of them. But this is time, oh, white God. daddy coming in. White guys coming in, managing the money that she earned. Right. And you know, and it's just so, fa- I mean, you know, obviously white people made this rule because like, they're right. like oh, if you got all that money, we gotta, we gotta Watch them about it, right? Yeah, you don't know what to do with all that money. You live in a Oh my god! So her guardianship went from her black parents to a white man by the name of T.J. Porter. Oh, hi. Yeah. So obviously, uh, you know, folks like Booker T. Washington and W. DuBose were very concerned about her welfare. The NAACP mm-hmm. um, had good. came out to fight for her. And they wrote in 1914, the Chicago Defender published an article claiming that her estate was being mismanaged by grafters and um, mm. her quote unquote ignorant parents and that she was uneducated, dressed in rags and lived in an unsanitary shanty. Like this girl was rich. So this is not what she right. should be living in. Mm-hmm. So the national African-American leaders, um, like I said, like Booker T. Washington and W.D. Bose, they became 
they were concerned and they were, you know, fighting for her. Um, and uh, Rector and her siblings went to school in, oh, is that none of, but I guess like none of the allegations were true. I don't know what that means. But anyways, there were rumors mm. about her well-being and, and what was going on with her. And her siblings went to a school in Taft, which was an all black town Um and they lived in a modern five-room cottage, and mm. they own an automobile. And that same year, Rector Ooh. enrolled in the children. Yeah, Ooh. but they're like millionaires. What's going on? Um, but then Sarah, she went to um, a boarding school for teenagers at Tuske- the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. I want to yeah. see her Netflix series. Like this sounds incredible. I know, so you've got so does. many seasons you can do because then you get like so she many. goes to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the and the climax, which you're not expecting, is like, oh yeah, wow, this series is ending so early and so happy, and then it's like, no, people were put in charge of her money. Never mind, you know. <laughs> yep, she's whoops, like uh, living in a hole. Even though she's a yeah. Ah, so at least she has boarding school to like, you know save her but by the time mm-hmm. she was 18 she was worth an estimated one million dollars which oh is about my god million and that's already a lot of money by them standards but today that's like 11 million dollars yeah that's bananas crazy yeah she had stocks and bonds um i think she owned a boarding house as well a bakery <laughs> she owned the busy bee cafe a restaurant i love that Aww. she went to boarding school was like I want one. I'm going to run one. Yeah. I own that. <laughs> she had the audacity of a rich white man. Like, go, go, girl. Exactly. Who, She's like, really didn't... Uh, yeah. Like, oh, mm-hmm. man. I, it just reminds me, I'm like, oh, this happens to white people all the time, where they just, like, have money fall onto them, and they, you know... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it's, like, news uh, when it happens to someone black. It's like, oh, my God. Hey, black person, black person, got some money. <laughs> extra, extra. There was a black person who has money. <laughs> There's a little black girl running around here with bags of money. <laughs> <laughs> so she had about two thousand eight, two thousand acres of land, um, which was prime river bottom land. Uh, she was wow. a millionaire. Yeah. She said, "Fuck the forty acres and your mule. I'm going to be by the river, <laughs> lakefront property." Yes. <laughs> And then she eventually moved to Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, she bought a home that is still in existence today. It's called the Rector Ooh. Mansion. If you're in yeah. KC, that's a cool place to like go to. Absolutely. And then oh, she finds love in season, I guess it's like season three, season four. In 1922, <laughs> she married Kenneth Campbell, who was the Ooh. second African-American to own a car dealership. So they were like, she was going with like the, you know, bougie black people, which is where she should right, be. Right, Exactly. They had three sons. They were known as like local royalty, drove expensive cars. They would entertain the likes of Duke Ellington, Joe Louis, Count Bassie. And then sadly, they divorced in 1930. But she was not like about to just like roll over and be like, woe is me. She got remarried in 1934. Oh, wow. So I'm sure you're wondering, where are they now? Well, Mm -hmm. She's dead. She died at <laughs> 65. <laughs> She's dead. Which, I mean, <laughs> she died at 65, so kind of young, on July yeah, 22nd, 1967. She lost most of her wealth in the Great Depression. So, <gasps> sad. That's so I know. sad. Yeah. She's in finale. But she did have working... 
she did have <laughs> she did have working oil wells and a real estate holding. So it wasn't she was like broke out on the street. She just wasn't as like rich as she was before. Mm, yeah. Wow. That's, that is that's, that's the story of Sarah Rector. So Sarah Rector, <laughs> our own like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. She got a golden I ticket. And she ran with she, it. She did. She did. <laughs> she came over. She had adversity, but she powered through. Right. Can you imagine? I just feel like when you're that age, you could buy so uh, much. Oh my so god! So much. She's yeah. dreaming big. When she couldn't even get at her money until she was, like, later. Like, she didn't really do anything fun with it until she was, like, an adult. Like, Mm -hmm. and then she made some reasonable choices. So maybe it was good that, like. The bakery and stuff. Yeah. Like, she's made, she had stocks and ponds. Like, she did really well with her money. So Mm -hmm. it really snaps to Sarah, too, because I think that's also just to kind of pause and look at that. Like, sometimes when you, you know, that's why people who win the lottery, sometimes they, like, lose that money so fast because they're not used to having that money. And Mm -hmm. they don't know how to, you know use it responsibly um and so to go from like a family descendant of slaves who grew up and like she's born in a little like shack to being this business-minded like she props to her because she Mm -hmm. um did really well with her money on you know great depression not her fault so right exactly that is a phenomenal story that is so phenomenal i love that she's just kind of like I'm an entrepreneur. Oh, you're going to hold my money? That's cool. She's probably making plans for it while they were holding her money. Oh, yeah, totally. She's she like, probably okay, like had a little fine. list written with a little crayon because she's only 12. <laughs> <laughs> making I'm gonna plans. Invest, I'm going to invest in pudding. I don't know what was around <laughs> at that time, but I feel like that's the kind of thing I would have invested in. Right. In. Pudding. Custard, <laughs> custard pies. <laughs> I'm gonna invest in hush puppies. <laughs> I, <laughs> now I know that was a thing of the time because I remember reading the back of one of those American Girl books. Um, mm. That the black girl, I forget, she was like obviously fresh off a plantation and she knew how to make hush puppies. So, oh, yeah, wow. Did, did you ever read those American Girl books? No, I didn't. Do you know the ones that was like, it was, there was a doll and then a book that went along with them and they were all like American girls from like different parts in like history. And there was like a black one was like <laughs> freshly released from slavery or something. Oh, they all kind of took place goodness. in like those times. It was a way to like learn about history, you know, like yeah. but that was, that was the black she, one. <laughs> she knew anything. She knew how to make hush puppies. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and there was one thing that Sarah Beth knew it was to make hush puppies. Hush puppies and make them damn good. <laughs> <laughs> she burned. Judge John Hodgman won a Webby in the comedy podcast category. After 10 years of production, Judge John Hodgman has finally won the Susan Lucci of the Webbies. What is Judge John Hodgman? Comedy writer and television personality John Hodgman settles disputes between friends, family, co-workers, partners, and more. Is Machine Gun a robot? Should a grown adult tell his parents about his tattoos? Should a family be compelled to wear matching outfits on vacation? Listen to Judge John Hodgman to find out the answers to these age-old disputes and more. 
If you haven't listened to Judge John Hodgman, now is a great time to start. Judge John Hodgman is available on MaximumFun.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Just me here. So we finished the episode on Sunday when our biggest concern was what Joe Biden said. And fast forward to today. It's May 28th, 29th, riding on the cusp there. And you, you're awake, you're alive, you know what's happening. And you can quickly see why, you know, for many of us, we couldn't really give two shits about what Joe Biden said. The bad joke, the gaffe, you know, honestly, for black folks, that's the least of our fucking worries. So I want to talk to you about there were two incidents involving black men highlighting the systemic racism in this country, one resulting in the murder of, once again, an unarmed black man, and the other, well, at least he's alive. So, you know, we started off the episode talking about two high-profile Karens. Meanwhile, another Karen out in Central Park She called the police on a black man, Christopher Cooper, who, let me just remind y'all, if you haven't seen, he's very handsome, very handsome Christian uh, Christian Cooper, who, you know, his backstory has, he's been a gay rights activist, Uh, he's been on the board of directors of the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation for GLAAD, he was an editor at Marvel, I uh, he brought he was brought us uh, Marvel's first superhero who came out of the closet. He was a creator of Marvel's first lesbian central character, and he also created Queer Nation, the online gay comic. He was also been an activist for marriage equality in New York, pounding the pavement, being a part of initiatives. He's also a Harvard graduate, and he was just simply out bird watching in Central Park in the Bramble. So this is like bird watching while black, another thing that we can't do. So he's out in the Bramble uh, where avid bird watchers go. That's where they be. And it's an area that has signs that say dogs must be on leashes. And he's there minding his own handsome ass business, bird watching, because that's how we do when this white woman was out there with her unleashed dog. Remember, you're not allowed to have unleashed dogs there. Just letting that dog run amok. And he's an avid bird watcher, as we said. And he cares so much about the leashing laws. He's also an activist. And her dog was just running around and it could destroy the habitats of the birds. And he says, you know, if the habitat is destroyed, we won't be able to go there to see the birds to enjoy. To enjoy. She refuses to leash her dog. He he just tells her to leash it or even go to one of the other fucking areas. She could just go somewhere else. Central Park is big. No, it's too much of a bother for her. So he said that he recorded the incident because he was worried about the possible violence against him. And that like, it's a thing that these bird watchers have been doing that they will film people who are breaking the law, essentially, to try to bring attention and justice to, you know, this area being destroyed. This white woman did not like that. She works herself into hysteria and calls 911, and then she threatens to call the police. She's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them she's hysterical. I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. That's what she says to him. 
And Christian Cooper didn't advance towards her or anything. He appears non-threatening, as you can see in the video. And knowing he has the whole, like, he know, he's just filming her. He's like, hey, go ahead, tell him. She does. She gets on the phone. She literally works herself into a frenzy. You can watch her do this. Hyperventilating and just putting on a fucking performance. And this frustrates me because it just does a disservice to anybody, regardless of race or gender, whoever really is attacked. And she pulls this bullshit. So she calls them and she's like, there's a there's a black, there's an African-American man. I guess she was polite enough to say African-American man. Uh, and she's, oh, he's, he's attacking me. Send the police. I'm in Central Park. And so she does. And... You know, when I read this story, uh, it was it's it was maddening. And I look at his bio and I thought, holy fuck, this could have been me. I'm a blurred like this guy. You know, I was just living in New York. I mean, these things can happen to any of us because of the color of our skin. It can literally happen to anyone. This woman, liberal voter, donated to Obama. She knew what she was doing. So, you know, racism has no bounds. It happens all over this country in every single political party. She knew that her privilege as a white woman, who are the most protected class of people in this country since the dawn of birth of a nation, she knew she could do and say that to get what she wanted. And this has been happening to black men for centuries, going back to Emmett Till. And it's a miracle that, you know, it wasn't just the wrong NYPD officer didn't show up and decide that, you know what, this guy is a menace because he's black and there's a white woman, white woman in distress. And having lived in NYC and I've been on the other hand of the of the NYPD a few times, like it's a miracle that this man is still alive. This could have ended up very differently. This could have been me. It's Emmett Till all over again. This shit is still happening. And then we cut over to Minneapolis. Like these two stories in the same fucking day where you have George Floyd, black man, who was allegedly being arrested for forgery. And there's things coming out about this story about how these cops actually knew him. There's a lot of information coming out. This is fucked up. And he and also like being arrested for forgery, like he's just sitting in his car writing a bad check. I don't understand. So he's not resisting arrest. He gets pinned to the ground by an officer. There's camera footage. There's someone who's filming as well. The officer puts his knee into his neck for like eight minutes, along with two or three other officers who also have their knees on his back, on his body. He is pinned down. And George repeatedly says, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Sound familiar? Because just like Eric Gardner before him, those would be his last words. And I guess, thankfully, someone filmed this because, you know, now action can be taken. And there's a huge debate right now with people who, you know, about, you know, reposting these videos and things like that. And on the one end, there's a whole other conversation. I, I do understand how traumatizing this is for black people specifically. Like, this is, it's really hard to see. You know, they don't allow beheadings on, uh, white guy gets beheaded you know, by a terrorist organization or something, they take those off the internet, but then these are allowed to circulate. And on the one end, you know, action was taken after Emmett Till's open casket. 
and it was on the cover of Jet Magazine, it woke people up. And I guess we're still needing to be, like (laughs) we still need to wake up, but you know, are people getting desensitized by this? So there is a a caution and awareness. We need to figure out a way of how we get this information out and get these stories out because it does make an impact. And maybe, you know, people do need to be a little traumatized, not necessarily saying for black folks, but anyways, um, the mayor of Minneapolis, who's a white man, he came out and he said, you know, spoke the truth. And he was like, listen, you know, if this guy was white, he'd still be alive. You know who's still alive? Dylan Roof, who shot up a church of black folks. And allegedly, on his way home after being arrested or on his way to, to jail, um, they stopped by Burger King because he was hungry. So if you're looking for something to get mad about, here you go. Not Joe Biden's gaffe, to which, you know what, he apologized for. And Joe Biden has made several statements about, about what happened to George Floyd. You know, demanding a full investigation by the FBI. He's spoken to the hurt and the pain and that this has opened up. It's this wound that is here in America that he's trying to heal. The systemic racism that's just been here in our nation that has led to the protests, which as I speak have erupted into, I don't like to use the word looted because it's just such a, uh, a weighted word used by, you know, conservative news sources against black people when we protest like again look at what's happening for when black folks are protesting because they're killing us in our country and when white folks go out there and protest with their fucking guns so they can what go to their job and and kill people by getting infected with this virus where they should be protesting that their country is doing the right thing and protecting them so, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess they these, you know, folks who were out there protesting, they acted out against the target and they took a bunch of stuff. But, you know, what? I also look at this like this is the result of you, centuries long not providing 40 acres and a mule. People are upset, right, because they consistently are being kicked and dragged and murdered by this fucking system. People are upset. So. Let's not look at the cause of what's happened. Let's look at the symptom. That's what we need to heal. And they burnt down a police station. And I it's scary. I'm scared for them. I'm scared for folks. I know the backlash that this potentially could create. And meanwhile, Trump in a tweet tweeted out that these folks, that these he literally described these folks as being thugs. And essentially saying that he would send the National Guard down there. And adding that when the looting starts, the shooting starts. That's what the President of the United States said against his own citizens. His own black citizens. This was targeted. This was deliberate. Damn near an act of inflating civil war. I mean, it's treasonous. I mean, nothing new. Trump committing treason. I mean, the same guy who retweeted a New Mexico uh, politician's video in which the man had said that the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. Those are half your constituents, if not more, sir. So come November 3rd, either Joe Biden or Donald Trump will be president. 
everything you do from here on out until the election will either be to help Trump get reelected or to ensure that we maintain what is left of our very fragile and broken democracy and an effort to begin to rebuild it. Either Joe Biden will be president or Donald Trump. That is it. That is where we are. So if you're having trouble getting there, I'm going to tell you acceptance is going to be your friend. From a place of acceptance, you can then move into helpful action. And you'll probably feel better about life and you'll feel more empowered. So it's like, take, if you're struggling, take back your power and get in the fight. And, and please stop getting in the way of those of us who are doing the work because we don't want to see him get elected. Those are our only two options. And we can't wait around for someone to inspire us. You got to inspire yourself. You got to look at the window and see what's happening to your brothers and your sisters and these your, your fellow Americans and say, this is not okay. That should be enough. There are a myriad of reasons and causes to get involved in the most important election in a lifetime. What you do or don't do, it matters. So find a cause, pick a Senate race. You can adopt a state. I just adopted, I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, you can adopt a state. Uh, organizing together and Votes of America are making it so you can organize, you can volunteer straight from your couch and volunteer in a swing state. They're going to train you up. There are things you can do. So what are you actively going to do to make sure that that man is not reelected? Either get on the bus or get out of the way. I just, me personally, I don't have the bandwidth or the energy to fight this thing from all different angles between other Democrats and Russians and Republicans. It's exhausting all while just trying to live my black gay life. Thugs, that's how he sees black people, his citizens. So you're looking for something to do. We have an opportunity to make a massive change in this country on November 3rd. And while that might not magically fix everything, one candidate will continue to hurt marginalized people and the other acknowledges it and has the opportunity and will work to let the healing begin to put in legislation, stand, stand up to white supremacists and put an attorney general that actually try these murderers with badges. You have such passion and talent, and we can be using that to put our voices towards the Joe Biden campaign, pushing him further to the left, which is already going there. We can be putting our energy into who we want to see as attorney general, who we want to see in his cabinet, the kind of legislation that we want to see, see having done. That's helpful. That is power. You have that power. We have that power to shape where this country is going to go. We get one shot at this. What you say matters, what you post matters, everything you do or don't do has an effect and will either let this white supremacy stand under Donald Trump or to help ensure that he is removed from office and we can work to restore black folks the right to a dignified life in America. There is now a line in the sand you are either on the true movement or you're not. It's time to put our small differences aside and see the big picture. Cooperative collaboration is the key to life. It is what adults do. We negotiate, we collaborate, we work together. You don't always get what you want, 
but fuck it. That's what being a minority is. Like we don't, we're on the minority. We don't always get what we want, but we're able to, to, to use whoever, whatever to leverage power to leverage change until we're able to get our actual champion in the arena to move that needle forward towards a future that we might not ever see just as those who came before us did for us so it's time to come together y'all stronger together it's not about you it's about us and who stands the most to lose time to be an adult it's like Beyonce said, we need to get information, y'all. Because as how you this, they keep killing us. And every time I forget I am a second-class citizen in this country, I am swiftly reminded. I get so numb to these time and time after again. And this one, I'll tell you this, this one broke me. It was hard to get out of bed. The two coming at it, you had two very... You had two black men and they had two different outcomes, but they could have been the same. And that could have been me. I honestly haven't cried this much since Eric Garner. This one fucking hurts. And so we have to come together. So in the meantime, if you are looking for immediate action, like I said, you uh, adopt a state, adopt a state, adopt a state. There are swing states that we need to adopt. Find what it is that you are going to do in the next six months. Now, pick it now. People's lives are in the balance. And I know that you might feel powerless and you don't know what you can do. You have power. Own your power. Take it back. And in the meantime, if you're looking for something to do, you know, these murderers are, are, are I believe at this point, not in jail. You can text uh, Floyd to 555 you can text Floyd to 55156 to demand that the officers that killed him are arrested. Um, you can also email, I'll link this in the show notes, um, but you can email uh, Hennepin County DA office, office at citizeninfo at H-E-N-N-E. P-I-N.us demand the officers are arrested. You can donate to the Floyd family or the MN Freed OM Fund. That's at M-N-F-R-E-E-D-O-M-F-U-N-D. Um, they'll be collecting funds to bail people, uh, the protesters out of jail. Uh, this one was from Sean King. You can go to justiceforbigfloyd.com, click on the link, and then you can fill out the super petition there. Um, and that's just some of those things. And also, um, figure out what you're doing for the election, because there's something right there. And I'll just tell you this, Joe Biden is right. Listen, if you ain't, if you ain't sure who to vote for, you ain't an ally. You know what's bad for business? Bad policing, because this is what happens. Shit's going to get burnt down. And sometimes I might misspeak, or we might misspeak that the system is broken, but uh, Dr. Adrian Keen tweeted out, just a reminder, the system in what is currently known as the U.S. isn't broken. It was designed by male white supremacist slave owners on stolen indigenous land to protect their interests. It's working as it was designed. That doesn't work for me. And it shouldn't work for you either. Let's get in the arena. 
let's change this. Let's make sure that the next generation does not have to deal with this because we still have to. This is our mission is to end this once and for all. All right. Well, that is the show. Aha. There we are. That is the show. Um, no fact check today. Cause it looks like we're running a little bit long and everything I said was perfect and wonderful. All uh, right. It was so great to have Emerald here. I hope wherever you are, that you are safe and that you are healthy and that, um, you are loved and that you're taking care of yourself. There's a lot that's happening here. There's so much that's happening here. And, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you, the listener that has been here uh, for over the past four years. Maybe this was your first episode. It doesn't matter. I'm just grateful that you are here and that you're part of the conversation. You're part of the community, and we are here to support you. So let me know how you're feeling about things. You can tweet at us at Minority Corner. Uh, with a K. If there's something that we need to know, as you can see, our main corner topic came from one of our listeners today. So definitely tweet at us. Uh, definitely takes a village here at Minority Corner. Let us know what we should be talking about here on the show. You can also email minoritycorner at gmail.com. We're also on the Instagram. And there you have it. Also, who would you fan cast in? The story of the little rich oil girl, the little rich black oil girl. Who would you cast in that? I want to know. That's the question. Uh, tweet at us. And also let us know if there are different ways that we can be out there in the community actively helping. You can also join the Facebook group, the Minority Corner Kids Playground, a really great group with great discussions that are happening there, a safe space for us to engage. So I know there's a lot. There was a lot happening in this episode, but there's a lot that's happening in the world, and it's all stuff that we can handle. That's what we're here to do. We're on a mission. So I love you all so much. Have a great, fabulous, wonderful week. And thank you all listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.